Hey everyone, welcome to the Revivals Family Podcast, where we discuss what God's doing on college campuses and the need for prayer, family, and revival. Thank you guys for tuning in again to the Revival is Family podcast. My name is Carol Reynolds. I have the honor to interview these three amazing men and fathers of the faith. They're all um, a part of Luke 18. We have Josh McDonald here, Ty Lamb, and Daniel Grenz. So we are all... Hey, everybody. And everyone Good to say your hellos. You guys today. <laughs> I don't know if I can quite get into the father category yet. <laughs> got some years on me here. So we are all a part of Luke 18, and we really try to champion prayer on college campuses. And the question today that we're kind of dialoguing around is, why prayer? When it comes to people in ministry, there can be so many expressions of ministry. We're talking today, why prayer? Why is prayer essential? Just personally, I mean, from when I was a student in college, um, I just remember even before I was saved, that I had Christians around me who I learned later were praying for me in the season that they were reaching out to me. And I think the depth of gratitude I have for for praying believers that were intentional about targeting me in prayer and then intentional about sharing Jesus with me. I mean, I look at, you know, my own journey and and I would account for my own salvation and my own coming to the Lord because of praying believers, you know. But then just as a college student, I mean, I spent a good part of my college years just cutting my teeth on learning how to pray. You know, we, we, we as students, we started a 6 a.m. prayer meeting that, I mean, deeply impacted me. We did it the last two years I was a student. And I mean, that prayer meeting, you know, most days was, you know, three, five, seven people, occasionally 30, rarely 70. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but that prayer meeting, it so shaped my spiritual development, you know, as, as a student, as a young leader. And I mean, that's where, I mean, so many lessons came from that season, you know, that really produced, you know, who I became as a Christian. And then even how I did ministry, what I did in ministry was so shaped by just, you know, those early years as a believer on a college campus, praying for my campus, praying for revival. Got it. How about you guys of the different ministries you guys could be involved in? What was it that struck your heart? Um, that led you to want to be a part of a ministry that really champions prayer? I think that this, the simple answer is Jesus. <laughs> um, the Sunday school answer, no. Um, when I was early 20s, I was in full-time campus ministry and doing a lot of the typical, you know, having small groups, doing Bible studies, things like that. But there was simultaneously in my personal journey with the Lord, I was getting drawn into this place where everything was becoming more and more about growing in intimacy with Jesus. And as I began really running after that in my own journey, it's like prayer was one of the primary, if not the primary way to connect with who he is Mm -hmm. to engage with his heart. And so for me, it was probably first Um, encountering him in the place of prayer that was touching me. And then from that, I'm like, okay, if this is doing such a deep work in me personally, let's just start gathering as, as young college students on the campus and start crying out for God's heart, for his purposes for revival. Um, So like Ty said, we started early morning prayer. We had evening prayer times, probably 
three to five times a week. We're gathering with a handful of us to pray and starting to see God move. And it's like, okay, this not only impacts my heart, but it's doing something that my evangelism or my preaching or whatever else, the other ministries that we're doing that were good, it's adding something that was missing, something significant. It's releasing something from God. So, I mean, I grew up in the church. Prayer was kind of that thing that the old ladies did. But when I was in my <laughs> early, early 20s and throughout my 20s, got really gripped with both the impact of my heart and with the necessity to see revival happen around me. Before we get to your answer, Josh, I wonder for you, Daniel, was it enjoyable from the start or kind of talk to me about how it, how you grew to like it? Yeah. I mean, it wasn't, which is why I didn't do it until I was in my twenties. Uh-huh. Um, I mean, I loved the word as a kid. I, I would just devour the Bible. I, I would put on my Amy Grant CD in my room <laughs> at night <laughs> and I would read the Bible for, you know, an hour a night as a, as a 12 year old, 13 year old. But I did not go to the place of prayer. Number one, because it was just, I didn't know what to do. It's like I'm talking to the air kind of was the the thought. And so, yeah, it wasn't enjoyable. And it there's still times where it's like, I don't feel great. This isn't, I'm not feeling anything. Mm-hmm. But I think what really got me hooked was the moments when I'm like, this is touching something so deep in God. Almost like I am no longer just sitting here in my room speaking to the air, but I'm, I've am i gone somewhere in mm-hmm. him. So yeah, there is kind of that balance where it wasn't very enjoyable, so I didn't do it. But when I started doing it and I, I got impacted deeply, it's like, I'm going to go after this. And then seeing older men, mm-hmm. um, which I mean, you guys, even now, I look at your lives of prayer and I'm like, okay, I can do this. But seeing people around me that had history with God that were seasoned in prayer gave me confidence to continue even when I wasn't feeling much around it. That's good. How about you, Josh? Yeah. So for me, um, I grew up for a part of my life as a young kid uh, in the church. So my my parents got divorced when I was a little kid, but my dad got saved when I was 10. And so I was around the church for about four years, from about 10 to 14. And, but the church that I was around, I don't even know if they had a prayer meeting. Like, I am pretty confident because now I, I'm pretty confident there wasn't even a prayer meeting. So the idea when I was a young kid of what it meant to be saved, I didn't really understand. But then when I got saved, so what happened for me was, I'm not going to go into tell my whole testimony, but I ended up getting saved in 2008. I was went crazy in the party life, doing drugs, whatever. And I got sent to this spirit filled Christian place. So they just are all about Jesus, kind of like a rehab, kind of like a rehab type facility. And the people there, these, these staff, the counselors, I can remember the first day getting checked into this place and I'm not saved whatsoever, you know, but I remember these guys and these ladies and the people that work for this ministry, they talked about God in a way that I was so not used to hearing. I can remember actually having a thought in my head before I was saved. I remember thinking they talked about God as if they actually like sit down with the guy for coffee or something, (laughs) you know, and this, this place I got saved at in Michigan, they were enamored with this group of people in Kansas city that prayed 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Now, not one person, but it was a ministry called the international house of prayer. So they were all about this ministry and the pastor of IHOP, a guy named Mike Bickle, they, we would watch his teaching. So here I am 
halfway across America watching these people in Kansas City who have built a prayer room with live music that goes 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And the guy, Mike Bickle, that founded IHOP, who's now a dear friend, he used to talk about apostolic prayers. And he actually taught you how to read your Bible, but pray prayers that Paul prayed, pray prayers that Peter prayed in Acts. And so I begin to understand it when I, so when I got saved in November of 08, I immediately was kind of thrusted into this world of taking your Bible and then, but then actually taking these verses, taking these attributes of God, taking these subjects, you name it, in the Bible, but actually stopping and realizing that the Bible's not just the rule book for which we learn so that we can walk right, that's part of it, but it's actually meant to become a conversation into a what is a word that is actually living. And so I remember for me, right when I got saved, I got kind of discipled right into praying my Bible. And so, and then I don't know what happened. I don't, other than just the grace of God, that I have no way to attribute this to anything other than, because no one else was doing it actually. So I, I didn't really learn this. But when I got saved, I had this crazy thing that I had to get up at 5 a.m. every day with the Lord. And I don't know why. And I would actually, I would be so tired. I'd go to bed at night and I'd be like, I'm not going to get up in the morning. And see, I'm in this like rehab facility, right? So like you can't just get up and like go do your thing. It's a very like borderline kind of like jail. So if I wanted to get up at 5 a.m., I had to like tell the counselor that was over the night shift that night that I was going to be coming down the stairs. So don't set the alarm off so that I could go into the room and put in a DVD of, of live worship and worship. So but I remember every night I would be like, hey, I'm not going to get up in the morning. But then something would hit me like. What if you're going to miss a month? And it wasn't like a fear of like God would be upset, but it was that like an invitation to get up every morning and to be with the king. And so I just remember from the get-go of my salvation, I would get up and I would go into this room and I and I would and and because I because I was enamored with this ministry in Kansas City that does 24/7 prayer, I would put these DVDs in where like the worship leaders from IHOP would play would play and I would just sit there and read my Bible and I would but I would pray the scriptures and I'd fall asleep almost every time. I'd make it like 15 minutes and I'd fall asleep. But it taught me because because so often we don't even know how to approach God, you know, and so often we can open up our Bible and see who he is, but then actually have a conversation with him about it. And so from the beginning for me, I was taught to pray the Bible. And that's still to this day. When I think of a prayer life, sometimes it's just sitting and letting God talk to you. But for me, it's usually I'm opening the word and then the word is alive and active. So I'm opening it and I've just learned to encounter the Lord's heart through praying the Bible all these years. And so I think that's kind of how I got here. So yeah, you guys mentioned how, you know, it's not always enjoyable. It's a something you for sure every develop and grow into. Um, and, you know, sometimes prayer is about petitioning the Lord for him to answer or break in. I think we can't talk about prayer without also talk about how do we carry our hearts when these prayers go seemingly unanswered. Bingo. Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, I, I think, you know, anyone that's ever prayed for anything with tenure and length, I mean, you realize that that part of the journey of, of being an intercessor and praying for something is the reality of waiting, you know, and uh, I, 
I don't know about you guys, but I think for all of us, just the wrestle of disappointment and the mm-hmm. wrestle of, I'm really praying for my friend who's sick. I'm really believing the Lord for breakthrough in finances. I'm right. really asking the Lord for salvation of someone who doesn't know Jesus. And I think for all of us, just the real wrestle of, Lord, I know that this is what your word says, and this is who you are, that you're good and you're faithful. And I'm trusting that you desire this more than I want it. Mm-hmm. And, and yet my human part of me that's waiting and waiting seemingly, you know, and the wrestle that the word says that he, he speedily, you know, gives justice and, and, and he's the one that, that, you know, moves because we ask because you know he's the one that that answers our prayer because you know the the fervent prayer of the righteous avails much and yet you know the the real reality is that sometimes we're we're expecting god to move sooner in answer to prayer and that we would see breakthrough you know a lot sooner than we mm-hmm. imagine i think what comes to my mind as soon as we talk about this is we have to in prayer and in, in our walks of the Lord in general, we have to come to terms often with the fact that we a lot of times bring things before the Lord that, yes, he cares about, but in the moment, it may not be exactly what he's emphasizing. And so what happens is is we get filled with all of our own stuff, our mm-hmm. own burdens. My brother needs to be saved. My finances are tight. That guy needs to be touched by the Lord. Like the obvious things that rise up in our heart. And so then what we do is we know we're supposed to pray about those things, so we so we pray and then what we do is is a couple and there's a couple there can be a couple problems with that one we can have our own burdens that aren't necessarily his in the moment so therefore we start contending for a burden that is a real need and it's not that the lord won't answer those prayers but it may not be the very thing that was on his heart in the moment and then two we when we pray out of our own burden sometimes we also have an idea of what we would want that answer to prayer to look like so if you're so if you're praying for your you know your your I'm just going to make this up your sister who's way out there on drugs you're going to pray for her to get saved and what you're thinking is a right. drastic moment's going to happen and she's mm-hmm. going to get saved you know in a moment and it's going to be awesome and it's going to be awesome and it's going to be peachy and roses whatever but sometimes the lord's like I hear your prayer but the way that I'm going to unfold this, it's actually going to be about 12 years from now. Yeah. Her life's actually going to get worse. Right. She's going to end up going to prison. She's going to end up getting in a car accident that's going to borderline kill her. But then through that car accident, she's going to be awakened. Yeah. No, but see, that's the craziness yeah, no, that you real. have to go through. Because we we have this idea of what the prayer should be or how it should come forth. Yeah, you know. And so I think... Obviously, that was a little dramatic what I just said, but like, right? How often do we pray for things like that? And the way that our answer comes ends up being like a mess. But the Lord's like, but but trust me, behind the scenes, every little detail of the reason why I'm allowing it to happen the way that it is, is unto this and unto that. And we'll never fully see the unfolding, I believe, until we stand before him. But I think the biggest hindrance to prayer and the discouragement that comes is it's not that the Lord's not answering prayer, it's that he's not answering the prayer in the way that we imagined that he would, or the way that we wanted it to be. And I think that touches on the question of, I mean, the, the title of this episode, Why Prayer? Mm-hmm. And, and what is prayer? And so as you're saying that, Josh, I'm thinking the scripture where it says, we know in part, we see in part, we understand in part. And so obviously that's all we've got to go on when we're talking to God is what we've, what we understand, what we know. 
Um, but I think the question that that is stirring in my mind about prayer in those situations when we're not seeing things answered is why are we praying? Mm-hmm. What's the point of this thing? Like, is it is it is the end result of prayer the answer? Um, and I would say even looking back to our first podcast, which if you haven't listened to, go back and listen to it. We shared some some things that I think were really enjoyable and, and significant on family. But for me, prayer is really rooted in this reality of family. It's rooted in the truth that God is a father, that he has a son who with the spirit are, are bringing us into being this bride and this family. Um, and because that's who he is, he gives us this gift called prayer, called talking to me so that he can have connection with us. Mm-hmm. Just like any father, any mother would want with their kids, more than just getting things done, right. they want that heart connection. So God says, I'm going to give you uh, an invitation to talk to me called prayer, and it's going to allow our hearts to be knit together. Um, just like in Romans 8, it says, we have not received the spirit of slavery, but the spirit of adoption, so that as sons, we can call out, Abba, Father. So he's like, I'm going to make, I'm going to bring you into family so that you can then talk to me. And as you talk to me, I'm going to do things. It's like Josh said, it's not going to always be the way you think it's going to happen. It's not going to unfold on your timeline, but above and beyond that, I want you to ask me for things. I want you to talk to me so that it can connect our hearts together with, with him. Yes. But then the other family reality of with each other. Like we look in Acts right after Jesus leaves, he's like, stay in this room, mm-hmm. pray together, and you're going to become one with each other. You're going to become one with me. And so for me, prayer, the, the purpose of it is to strengthen family, first and foremost, unto then seeing God do things, answering prayer, which just is really to expand the family, to bring more people in. Wow, that's yeah. huge. <clears throat> yeah, no, I, that makes me think of just, I, mean, I think for all of us as believers, I, I think about the reality that the reason why we don't pray or we don't pray more is because we don't have confidence that mm-hmm. our prayer matters, mm-hmm. yeah. you know? And I know for me, three questions that, that I've had to wrestle with um, in, in why pray, especially why pray amidst not seeing answers to prayer, um, is what does prayer do to my heart, you know, when I pray and what does prayer do to God's heart when I pray? And, and, and I think for most of us, you know, the bigger question that, that most of us are grappling with is when I pray, what does prayer do to my neighbor's heart? What does prayer do for the person I'm praying for? You know? Mm-hmm. And I think all those three questions are, you know, like ones that we each have to answer because if we don't have confidence that when we pray, it actually moves God's heart and somehow like he derives joy and pleasure out of our prayer, you know, we may not do it a whole lot. And and I think that the inadvertent that we don't realize that's significant is oftentimes when we're praying for, for something, when we're praying for our campus, for our city, for our nation, praying for our sister that's on drugs, you know, um, or we pray for just, you know, the, the things around our lives, we don't realize that, that some of that is what God wants to do in us as we're praying, yeah. you know. And, and right. obviously, I think there's a reality that when we pray, God really does move. On his own timing, as, as Josh said, that was excellent, you know, but but I think, you know, the realities of, of how God is impacted, we're impacted, but then the Lord is faithful to move on behalf of our sister, you know, who's on drugs. I, I think that what you just said, that when we pray, God derives something, like he, he derives joy, he derives pleasure. I mean, that truth 
you know, we could talk for a thousand years mm-hmm. on that. Yeah. Like that our voices, our words impact the heart of the uncreated God. And that when we don't pray that that impacts him as well. And, and so there's this, it's just that reality again, that he's such a, a amazing God that he invites us into this place of impact and relationship that he's like, talk to me because it does something for my heart that, that when you're silent, I don't Amen. receive from you. Um, uh-huh. so I, I think that's so such an honor for us that God's like, I'm going to let you impact my heart. Mm-hmm. Even though I, I lack nothing, right. I have no need, I have no weakness other than like it says in song of songs, turn away your eyes from me. Cause they overwhelm me. Like our gaze upon him, our voice is lifted to him, does something so deep to his heart. That's awesome. No, that's so good. You guys. And it's profound to think what does prayer sounds like and look like when one day there's, there's no more need, right? There's still voices crying out. There's still voices that exalt who he is. And so that's profound to think, even without needs in this world, prayer would still matter because he desires to hear our voice and he demands praise because of who he is. Yeah, that's so good. Yeah. Well, it sure sounds like we have a whole lot to say about <laughs> prayer. Come on. You know, and um, I think we're going to have a lot more that we'll say about prayer. And I, I think some of these contents will be future episodes that we'll develop yeah, out, you know, and really focus on, on certain areas. But we wanted to begin the conversation and, and, and we want to wrestle through the hard and the not obvious and the things that don't have clear answers, as well as look at the Bible and see what the mm-hmm. Bible says. So I'm excited yeah. about future conversations yeah. with you guys. Yeah, yes. that's good. Thanks for joining us, you guys. Stay tuned for our next episode. We will go.